Hey everyone, I'm Scott Cunningham, aka Scottsy Business, and today we're going to be talking about centralization within the crypto industry. There's so many things that are pushing this. It's happening with NFTs, it's happening on social media, it's happening with credit card companies, it's happening with banks, uh, and a lot of it is around KYC. And if you don't know what KYC is, it's about you giving a lot of your personal information over to some sort of entity and them being able to link that to everything you do within the blockchain space. And while that doesn't sound like it's that bad, it's pretty bad in terms of you know privacy, taxation, all these kinds of things. I mean, a great example is we recently saw Celsius, whether accidentally or on purpose through their bankruptcy uh, documents and filings, they basically exposed all the transactions on their platform and everyone's personal information along with that. So if you were using a decentralized exchange and the same thing happened, they wouldn't have your personal information. Whether or not it's about money laundering or it's about simply just protecting your identity, I think not using KYC is very essential to the core ethos of crypto, which is privacy, anonymity, decentralization, freedom, etc. So let's jump on in and talk about everything that's happening, what I think about it, how I think you can avoid a lot of these problems, and uh, you know, just a general caution for people going forward. Because a lot of this new stuff is fun, cool, convenient, but it's always at some sort of price. So let's jump into it after a word from my sponsor. A big thank you and shout out to my sponsor, Cake Wallet, which is an open source, non-custodial Bitcoin and Monero wallet that also has a built-in exchange. It's available on iOS and Android. Okay, thanks again to my sponsor. So let's start off with the recent news that Visa partners with FTX in a bet that shoppers still want to spend cryptocurrencies in a bear market. People definitely want to spend be able to spend crypto that is spendable, but they probably don't want to spend their crypto that's massively down in value. Um, so, I mean, it depends when you might have bought it, um, but crypto is still ultimately better to hold than fiat because we are guaranteed that fiat is always going down in value. And we're seeing that very, very obviously with uh, how bad inflation is. But with this title, I mean, I won't really get into it. It's really just, you know, Visa saying that they're going to partner with them and they're going to launch visa credit cards uh, likely prepaid maybe they won't do that but that's generally the idea for most crypto uh credit cards they're not really credit cards per se it's more so of like a debit or a prepaid credit card perhaps but um now i'll just switch back to me and i'll just riff a little bit so all of these updates are fantastic for mass adoption especially being able to get these uh these prepaid credit cards i mean ftx already has their own credit card but the whole problem with a lot of these credit cards is they're all kyc'd they're all run through these massive traditional finance companies and again i think it's better that we're seeing them join crypto than fighting against it however when we're giving all of our crypto to someone like FTX and Visa for the convenience of being able to spend it, now they hold it. It's never the case that you've got your own personal wallet that you only control and then they just help facilitate payments. And even if that is the case, they will make you KYC. 
So now your personal wallet is fully connected to your identity. And again, I mean, there, there could be people watching who are like, I'm not worried about that. So most of this stuff won't be a huge deal for you. But if you do care about your privacy, you do value anonymity and you don't want to pay unnecessary, you know, tons and tons of taxes that you might not need to pay. Not that I'm saying you should ever avoid paying your taxes, but uh, you will 100% be paying them if it's just automatically taken out of your account uh, in the future, if that's how far we get with, uh, I mean, we're seeing banks partnering now with uh, with MasterCard. And so we'll jump to the next story because I'm only going to do a little bit on each story because there's a lot here. MasterCard is going to help banks offer cryptocurrency trading. They're going to do this through Paxos, which is uh, who works with Binance and does and helps them with the BNB, uh, no, sorry, BUSD, their stablecoin. And Paxos is already the one who works with PayPal. And we already know PayPal is one of the worst places you can possibly buy crypto. If you need a refresher, um, if you're buying crypto through a stock exchange, you're at the very least, like through an ETF, Ethereum or Bitcoin ETFs, you're at the very least covered with FDIC insurance. Um, and you've got a lot more guarantees and you know less risk. If you're buying the crypto directly off of an exchange, you can get the full decentralization aspect if you pay to with like the, the small fee to withdraw it, keep it on your own wallet that you control, then you're getting the full benefits of decentralization. You truly own it. No one else can take it from you. Those are the two best ways to do it. The middle way is using something like PayPal where they only let you buy and sell and they hold the crypto. So if something happens with PayPal, if something goes wrong, if there's a hack, if anything happens, your money is gone. And people say, ah, but how likely is that? We just saw Binance have a hack. We just saw Solana go through a hack. We've seen so many lenders go bankrupt. I mean, it's completely within the realm of possibility that at any time an exchange could have an issue or something happens and you lose your money. I mean, literally just today, I was going through CoinSquare. They went through a migration, so I had to migrate my account. Um, and then it didn't work. I spent the two days trying to get access to my account. And then when I finally got access to my account, the whole account was wiped and I had to then request my previous transaction history, etc. So, I mean, even just an upgrade apparently can ruin your, your exchange account too. So there's so many ways that you can lose access to your account. And maybe in the future I'll do, you know, like all the times exchanges have done something malicious, which is so, so many, but you know, regardless, uh, that same company that does PayPal, which is again, the worst way that you can do it because they control the funds. They'll be the ones helping banks, uh, integrate with MasterCard to offer crypto trading. So there's 99.9% .9 likelihood. <laughs> I'm saying generously, cause I'm pretty sure it's a hundred percent, but I don't want to say a hundred. There's a 99.9% .9 likelihood that they'll do the exact same thing that PayPal does. I mean, in my mind, this was always in the cards, either with stable coins, CBDCs from banks or through this now that the bank will hold the crypto. You can open accounts with the bank and they will buy the crypto for you with your money and then hold it for you as well. So it's really all owned by them. Again, that would be the worst way that you could do it. And people would say, yeah, but it's more convenient. Okay. Well, if you can do it through your bank, you can invest in stocks, you can invest in an ETF of Ethereum or Bitcoin, 
that is much, much safer. Um, and you don't run into the same risks. And I just think, and you know, we'll see if FDIC insurance will cover cryptocurrency in the bank as well. That would be a pretty big plus, but you know, who knows? Um, that's why you're just safer to stick with the stocks. Uh, and in Canada, you know, we have benefits through TFSAs and um, our stock accounts when we trade. And I'm sure there's tax advantaged accounts in the States as well that you can do the same thing. So there's lots of advantages that you can get tax wise through investing in stocks. So, you know, you might be better off doing that. Anyways, moving on to the next article, which is from Forbes talking about how Visa and MasterCard are, you know, really pushing all these different cryptocurrencies now. So it's becoming much more clear that they're very enthusiastic about crypto. And this is only going to become a more and more growing trend that we're going to see. Uh, I don't have a lot to say here since we already covered it with the last two. The next one is South Korea aims to boost economy with digital ID on the blockchain. They want to get you using probably an NFT of your identity and they want to roll this all out by 2024 to at least 45 million people. So pretty extensive and pretty soon actually. So very ambitious. It will be very interesting to see a full on country adopting blockchain for digital identity. That's really showing how far we're getting with adoption. But again, it's more so to your detriment because the whole point of them doing this is that they literally say they think they can make a lot of money from this. Uh, they think that they can get 3% of their GDP from just blockchain IDs. And it's like, how would you do that? And, you know, they mention um, healthcare and everything else. I'm not going to bother going into this article, but, you know, they mention healthcare and everything else. So why would healthcare produce more money just because you have an ID? And they're not even going to save money. It doesn't say they're going to save money. They're going to make money. Well, the only way you can make money off of my identity assuming they're not getting really creative and doing like ads for your identity or something. It's all taxation. I mean, let's be honest, 80% of that plus is most likely taxation because yes, there's innovative things that they can do with IDs, but nothing that is going to make them more money. If I use my ID to sign in at the hospital, that doesn't even really do much. Like, I mean, what's the difference between me showing an ID or showing my phone with my ID on my phone. I mean, that's not going to somehow make them money. So again, a lot of this is gonna come down to taxation and then having a KYC identity of you that they can basically track everywhere. Um, because now anytime you need to use your ID, they're able to log maybe, you know, that you are at that location or whatever it happens to be. And then they can better tax you based on the things you do. I mean, maybe they want to tax you for in the future with uh, a lot of these um, environmental programs. Maybe they'll be like, you traveled too much. So we got to tax you for the amount of emissions that you're putting out to, to do all this travel, whether it's air travel or whatever it happens to be. So I'm very, very skeptical on digital IDs for a rolled out through a government is really just for our best benefit. Again, I think a lot of this is extremely innovative. 
much better use case for NFTs than just a lot of the scams and pump and dumps and things we've been seeing. This is really great. A lot of this is really great for mass adoption, but what it is bad for is the long-term health of crypto and success of crypto and, and blockchain in terms of decentralization and a lot of the original blockchain ethos that I always go back to and mention. Moving to the next one, we have Google Cloud and Coinbase launch a new strategic partnership. So essentially, Google Cloud is now going to be able to accept cryptocurrency through their partnership with Coinbase. And, you know, maybe that'll be a ton of different cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Litecoin, you know, the works. But I also have fears that it might be at first just USDC because Coinbase naturally. And, um, and it's just another way for them to have a little bit more control over mass amounts of services that people are utilizing. And maybe eventually it extends to the full uh, entirety of Google. So yeah, I mean, again, while that's really, really good to see more companies adopting crypto, I don't like seeing when they're adopting, you know, like stable coin providers who have like 100% control and they could just freeze your account here, freeze your account here. I mean, USDC has a ban list where you can go and see all of the addresses that they've banned. And that is concerning to me because then beyond what Google might already have banned and whatever, there's going to be a, another layer of crypto users who will also be banned from using their services. And maybe that starts to extend out and, and touch more things as they expand and, and increase the amount of services that are utilizing their coin. Again, at face value, it seems really like Oh, that's nice. That's really good. And you know, more people are going to be using crypto this way. This is good for crypto. Yes. But again, in the long run, this is going to just be bad. We're not trying to give more control and uh, not necessarily control of crypto, but if all of the biggest tech firms and, and companies only partner with, you know, Coinbase, then Coinbase can help be their arm to facilitate whatever they want to do in the blockchain space. So maybe Google says, all right, anyone who has used USDC to buy X should now be banned off of USDC. Oh, don't you want to keep being our partner? We're going to have to cancel our partnership if you're not you know, aligned with our values. And they say, oh, okay, yeah, we'll add these people to the ban list. That's how it starts. And uh, you know, while that's just me riffing, that's very realistic possibility for us to see in the future. So I would not hold my breath for, for Google doing this for the greater good. Or, But again, it's good for crypto in the short term and getting adoption numbers up. Always, always good. Even when PayPal originally launched their feature and I said it was awful, but it was very good for mass adoption because a lot of people are going to be using it. The key here is the only tool we have to fight against this is educating users, education, and uh, you know, teaching them that you don't wanna be doing this, you can actually personally benefit more from using other methods. And, uh, and I would highly recommend, that's what people mainly focus on is uh, using these alternative means to do a lot of the same things and, and not just opting in for convenience at the risk of privacy and giving too much control and power 
to uh, various entities. MetaMask has integrated with Sardine to bring instant bank to crypto options for US users, meaning that you can essentially go directly from your bank to MetaMask, which means that you would be more or less KYCing because you know there's a direct connection from your bank to your wallet. You're basically KYCing your wallet by doing this and connecting it to your identity that way. That is not ideal, especially if you're trying to stay anonymous or, you know, like not have your Ethereum wallet linked to your identity. But people might not really think about that. They just think, oh, this is a very good option to get in and out of crypto without having to use exchanges. Now, you could argue, uh, well, when I use an exchange, it makes me KYC anyways. So what's the big deal? I still have to use my bank to get to the exchange. Yes, but then you could go from the exchange and you could go to other addresses and maybe you just, you go from your bank to a random MetaMask and then you try to obfuscate the path and stuff. And I'm not saying necessarily that you're trying to like launder money, but you don't unnecessarily want to be giving your identity to these these large entities and, and giving them that control and and connecting your identity to various things. I guess this is the overall theme of this video is just that we don't want to be unnecessarily connecting our identities to all these various services because the whole point is that they weren't connected to your identity and um, people are slowly, slowly being rolled in and tricked into basically KYCing in some way, shape or form. Um, but there's so many other ways that you can get around this. There's many exchanges that don't have KYC. Um, there's all these different options for you. And maybe I'll cover that in a different episode. But right now we're just talking about the latest stuff that's happening in regards to centralization. Twitter rolled out verified NFT profile pictures a while ago. Um, and then also Twitter very well not very recently, but I only recently noticed that Instagram started doing this because I saw it on my Instagram and I was like, oh my God, I didn't even realize that this was a thing, but uh, but it is a thing. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought I was pretty surprised to see that. But anyways, talking about those two, um, KYC isn't just you know giving your ID or your phone number. Maybe it's you giving your phone number and your information on Twitter or Instagram and then connecting to your Ethereum wallet and then displaying your NFTs through your Ethereum wallet on your social accounts. Now it's connected. Whether you did it through MetaMask integrations, uh, you used your MetaMask wallet with USDC to pay your Google Cloud, you used your metamask wallet or ethereum wallet to connect to twitter or instagram with your nft because you thought it would be cool to show it off and hype it up and whatever all of these are generally ways to get you to comply to kyc because they're realizing a lot of people don't really want to or at least the real people who are true to the crypto ethos and blockchain ethos don't want to unnecessarily kyc they want to still push for decentralization, privacy, anonymity, etc. All these things that are happening, great for adoption, but they're all terrible for KYC, privacy, and again, going against the original ethos of blockchain. So when I see more and more and more of this, I'm like, good, this is good. More 
normies are getting uh, introduced to crypto and probably going to adopt it in some way, shape or form, or at least it's just in their mind that it's like a normal thing. And that's great that it's becoming normal, widely adopted. That is fantastic. But it could be done in other ways where it's not like KYC light or you know, connecting somehow to your wallet. But that's generally all I really see is ways that they're connecting you to all the financial wallets that you're using so they can better track the things that you're doing and then also penalize and tax you for those things. I think my Google example was probably one of the better examples where it's like you spend your USDC on something that Google doesn't like and then Google tells them you've got to ban this person uh, we don't want them spending it on our network, knowing that they've spent it on this or whatever. And then they're like, yeah, sure. We don't want to sever our partnership because, you know, Google's going to do what they do or else they're going to cut off the partnership. And so they comply and I'm sure it'll be something like that. But that's my thoughts on centralization as it is today. Uh, I'm sure some people might say, Oh, like that's not necessarily what centralization is. I'm just trying to talk about it in the broadest form. Mainly what we're talking about, like 90% of this is the risk of KYC, but then also, you know, centralization in terms of like Google and Coinbase pairing up. That is centralization of crypto. I mean, USDC is already as centralized as you can get. But if they start getting more people adopting it and using it, and then they're at the behest of you know, Google on the back end, yeah, it's not a good look. It's just giving them more and more power when we can still do all of these things without giving them full control. Maybe if Google allows you to pay with Bitcoin and, you know, they don't make you KYC or do it through some specific thing managed by Coinbase, I'd be surprised but I think that would be fantastic because I'm speculating that they're going to be very restrictive. And I mean, cause that's naturally what they do, but that might not be the case for most of these other ones though. It is the case that they're, you know, causing problems. The Google one is the only one that's kind of speculative and a little bit South Korea, but I mean, how else are they going to make money off of your blockchain digital IDs other than taxation? I mean, let's be real. So that's my thoughts. I mean, I've seen so much stuff around what I think is a threat with KYC, NFTs, centralization, people opting in for convenience. So you tell me, am I overreacting to a lot of the stuff that's going on in the markets right now? Am I spot on? Do you agree with this? Do you think all of these things are issues or do you think this is just good for crypto? Do you think this is going to be more bullish or bearish do you expect this to be good in the short term in the long term how do you think this is all going to play out and what effect is it going to have on blockchain and crypto as a whole let me know in the comments below and thank you so much for watching i'm scott cunningham aka scottsy business oh and comment hashtag number one ham in the comments below to let me know that you watched to the very end thanks cheers